Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast with your hosts, the Battle Bros, Taylor and Isaac. How's it going, Isaac? Great. Excellent. Um, so yeah, sunny day here in California after some rain. And some smoke. It's yeah. wonderful. Totally. Yeah. Your house almost burned down. Uh, yeah, but did not. So we're feeling pretty good today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so glad your house didn't burn down. Fun thanks. fact, you built your own house. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, totally. Which was particularly why I was really worried about it. But um, fire moved on. A lot of people lost their houses. It's uh, been pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very tragic. But to uh, bring the listeners' spirits up, we have a special guest, Mitch. How's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. I, uh, yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for bringing me on. Uh, hope I can provide some useful insights. Hello to everybody out there. Uh, yeah, first time on the air. Pretty exciting. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, hand it back to you guys. Totally. We're really excited to have you. Mitch is a part of our uh, quote-unquote battle bros group. That we all play flesh and blood quartet. with. Quartet? Quartet? Yeah. Doesn't sound very good. Battle Bros Quartet. No, that does sound good. <laughs> battle Quad? <laughs> no, oh, yeah. Battle maybe Quad. That's, better. that's nice. Um, yeah, so we've had uh, everybody's over this weekend at my house, um, and we've been just playing flesh and blood just nonstop. Mitch is our resident wizard and ninja player, and. Uh, Happy to have him on to give some uh, perspectives from some of the other classes. And uh, maybe someday in the future we'll have Troy on, our guardian mechanologist player. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to have him on also. He's kind of shy. I don't know if he wants to be on. We'll, we'll find out. We'll, we'll get him there. We'll coax a commotion him into it. <laughs> um, so, well, welcome to episode three. Uh, today we're going to be talking about deck building. Um, pretty topical with the... Uh, national tournaments coming up uh overseas um yeah so any shout outs beforehand oh yeah i would like to shout out uh anybody who's been uh listening to the podcast i really appreciate that um it's pretty cool having people from canada and uh new zealand and australia as well as the u.s um, it's really great to be a part of this community, and we appreciate you listening. Um, we're actually, we have a Facebook page now, the Attack Action Podcast. We will. Well, we will by the time this episode comes out. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. We're, we're on the clock now. Yeah, totally. It will definitely exist by the time Taylor <laughs> yeah. uploads this episode. Yeah, so please uh, <laughs> like us on Facebook and uh, comment on any of the show. Uh, posts there um, and please tell a friend like um, you know our listenership is growing a little bit so spread it around we'd love to have more uh, interactions with the community um, and, and just more people you know obviously listening so we can grow the player base especially here in the U.S. Yeah and it's uh it's pretty incredible and kind of heartening that this brand new um, small game has such a kind of thriving, obviously almost entirely virtual community, mm-hmm. despite being launched like mid-pandemic, yeah, you know, mid-economic hardship and like all of that. So it's uh, it's pretty cool, yeah, to be a part of all of that. That's uh, thriving so much. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful, despite uh, kind of poor timing maybe, but it seems to not matter. 
yeah, I mean, because the game is so um, excellent and uh, exciting on many levels, the artwork, the gameplay, the way um, it's being released, you know, it's like, despite all odds, it's going to succeed because it's just an incredible uh, game. So anyway, let's talk about deck building. So uh, Isaac, me and you are probably, maybe Troy too, but we're we're definitely deep, deep in the trenches pretty much every day about deck building and ideas and stuff. And so how about let's start with, um, from like ground zero, what's your method? Take us through your process of deck building. How do you do it? What's your spice on the tamale? How do you cook your lasagna? How do you... Is it milk first or cereal first? How do you do it? Uh, okay, so I'm sure this is kind of different for everyone, and I think uh, everybody's brain works differently. So whatever uh, works successfully for you is obviously the right way to do it. Um, and obviously, like, also, we... Uh, so we probably don't deck build every day because you don't want to, like, tinker... And then not play test and then like tinker out of your good idea because you overthought about it and mm-hmm. tinkered seven times and then you're just but we're always like you know i'll go to work and then i'll you know send you a chat mm-hmm. talking about like oh i had this idea when i was thinking about this card at work you know i think we can buzz market the app marco polo okay yeah yeah if you don't have that app you should get it especially if you don't get to see your friends that often really good yeah would not have been into something like that at all pre-pandemic, post or mid. It's uh, a really wonderful way to like communicate face to face, kind of uh, very simply and easily, and it like helps like yeah have a friendship yeah. if you're not yeah. So there's our two cents on that. Back to deck building. Okay, um, let me rein you in here. We're talking about your method. What ha- what's step one for you? Dang. <laughs> um okay so i basically um this just works spatially for my brain i lay out all my cards for the deck on the table i separate them by attacks probably that cost one attacks that cost zero so let me and back then, you up so you pit you you grab all of the cards for your class and all of the generics no or do you go through... I just pick out all the ones that I think are viable. So you just go, like, first draft, like, this one, we'll just yeah. throw these all in the pile. Maybe pot. I have 100 cards out there. Okay. Or, what, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just every one that I think might, might, you know, might make it in there. Yep. So then I lay them all out, like I said, like, uh, so I'll just talk about Ranger, because it doesn't matter. But then I'll have, like, all my arrows that shoot for one, all my arrows that shoot for zero... Um, maybe other attacks, and then I have like all of my buffs, maybe lined up in a different section, and then all of my uh, defense reactions, including traps, and then uh, maybe like majestics or like weird cards that don't fit a, uh, a specific category up top. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I try to count my ratios, obviously. I mean, this might all be pretty basic, but I'm just running you through the, <laughs> yeah, the totally. whole thing. Yeah, I so I know. count all my ratios, right? Like, um, Ranger can't run out of arrows, you know, so I, you know, maybe I have 27 or 30 in my 70 card deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I count all of my, I don't run any blues um, because it's a cheap deck. I count all my yellows. And then if, 
because I need one yellow per turn to pay for an ideal turn. So then maybe, uh, you know, I you have, try to figure out that ratio yeah, maybe for the amount of cards you want to have in your deck. Thirty percent yellows right. or something like that. Right. Um, and then I just cards that then I try to look individually at the versatility of every card. Right, like okay, so for example, ravenous rabble for mm -hmm. the ranger. I uh, I kind of debated because it's not an arrow. It doesn't combo well. Right. But it's always free. It's going to hit for four or three. And it lets me... It doesn't let me opt, but it lets me see the top card of my deck for Azalea. Well, that's cheeky. Yeah. I didn't think of it as in... I was always it's just like, it's peak. a good... Yeah. It's a good value card. But yeah, it does. Right. A little, little peek under the, the piece of bread there. What's under that so, lettuce? Is that pastrami? <laughs> oh, and it's so turkey. A lot I must of, be uh, hungry. A lot of food analogies. Yeah, we make a sandwich or a deck. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, one I can the use same, a sandwich, though. though. Yeah. They're yeah. kind of the same layers. You it's know. an art. Yeah. <laughs> it is an art. Uh, All right. Back to... Uh, so anyway, then you... Yeah, you try to look at the, like, I guess the pros and cons of each uh, card um, and just weigh their spot in the deck. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and obviously... Uh, Depending on what you're trying to do, if you're more mid-range controlling, you know, that determines how many uh, defense reactions you'll want, all those kinds of things, um, which, like, uh, do my buffs affect 100% of my attack cards, or do my buffs only attack, affect attack action cards or weapons, you know, like their versatility, um, can I run a yellow or blue buff because I'm more after the hit effect and then it has pitch value? Or mm -hmm. are you after the tipping point of a four or seven attack? You know, things like that. I just try to look at each uh, card objectively. Um, yeah. And then after that, it's just, you know, it's kind of about testing, right? So some cards, um, I'm not currently running Promise of Plenty in my deck. Mm -hmm. Even though it seems like an excellent ranger card, maybe it is, you know. But some then after you play you, several you times, you think the internet's yelling at you right now. Run, promise of plenty. Oh, probably. But there's Fool. there's like real problems in the world, so they can get, <laughs> you know, all up in arms about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you never know. Besides, my deck. Yeah, do that's what true. I want. That's true. Um, been, but you're right. successful. Maybe I should be running it. I mean, I don't know. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just wondering. It's just tough. It's not a lot of cards. There's a lot of good cards out there. Yeah, there definitely are after three sets. But anyway, then you then you just play test, right? And then you can see how cards behave. And then when you lay out all your cards again and look at them objectively, you know, maybe I do need a little more yellows. Or maybe this card didn't perform as much as I had hoped. Or, you know, those types of things. Right, and then it's like... You kind of have the core idea, and then you make drafts of that right. idea. Right? And you have essential cards, and you have, you know... Yeah. You, after you get beaten, you can critically look at your uh, cost curve, damage output, defensive ability, things right. like that. Yeah. Um, A lot of big words there. Do you want to... Uh, yeah, good gaming vocabulary over here. <laughs> uh, let's ask Mitch. Wanna... Mitch has got... Uh, if, if you can hear it, he's got this wild situation going on mitch walk us through what you're doing uh, and then let's talk about how you deck build because you basically started deck building in this game in particular yesterday yeah um so yeah my step one is kind of just well just organizing all the cards first by your class what i'm doing right now is i'm just going through all the generics we have and um just trying to get them color court 
color-coded and alphabetized because I think just being able to reference things back quickly is really important. If you're trying to make modifications to your deck, it's, you know, it just kind of makes things easier and you don't have to spend a lot of time looking for something. Mm -hmm. um, just knowing what, you're, what you want to change out and being able to quickly do that, I think, is pretty helpful and kind of reduces the monotony of, of deck building sometimes. Um, or perhaps like the mental fatigue of like you're thinking about combos and then you're like where the hell is this card and then you don't have that like so you can maybe have a little bit more clarity of thought perhaps uh, yeah uh, another thing I, it's going to sound kind of silly but like I I just go for the shinies in the beginning <laughs> I go through my character class and I go these shinies are awesome I want to see how I can make these work yeah this is a place to start because it to me it's a lot of cards to go through so it's like okay here's this cool shiny card how do I make it work how do I pay for it how does it work in a combo and kind of go from there mm -hmm. um, yeah and just and then after that it's um, it's looking at your balance of of colors how are you going to pay for things and uh, yeah, and how do you how do you defend yourself and right? So it's like, what does your what does your big swing look like? Start there. Yeah. What's your best? What's the best damage you can do in a turn if you had everything you needed? Right. I I think that's one of the most interesting things in this game when you get down to deck building is how each card typically has uh, three different levels: red, yellow, and blue. And trying to figure out each card's value based on that um, that pitch value, which is pretty exciting, I think. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, and I think it's a good point you've made before, is like, uh, you know, if you're after the... So I run... Um, sometimes I'll run red or yellow mm -hmm. buffs. Right. If you're after the effect as well as the damage, right? So you'll run the yellow because it also has a good effect on top of the numerical added damage. Right. And then it has pitch value, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, so that kind of thing, like uh, weighing a cards, you know, like some cards you just only want red. Right, but some if an attack card hits for four, has a hit effect, and is yellow, and that can pay for your turn, then it's a lot more versatile and still worth it. Right. Yeah. Let's hear uh, your... Do you have any... Do you yeah, just outline I, your process? Sure, I do it a little bit differently than you guys do. So I also just kind of... I look at my character first, and then perhaps the weapon, and have that kind of start as my idea and then I just get all of the cards possible out there and then I look at all of the cards and trying to find a theme or combo or something like that that I'm um, interested in and then build off of that so uh, so I'm, I'm looking for like a, a real good theme within the cards like what are the cards trying to tell me that they are like incentivizing so i can kind of lean into that you know like a mechanic or something like that and then i i try to find all of the cards where i can make that the strongest most of the time in this game in particular i think typically i'm more of a mid-range player where i kind of want to do a little bit of everything but in this game i'm trying 
right now anyway is is my um my flavor of the month is to just really lean into what can this deck do really well you know which is kind of tough because um and we'll get to i guess kind of sideboarding i guess or we'll segue into sideboarding is that it i feel like it doesn't lean or uh, lend itself a ton to kind of the flexible play that you need right i'm currently like trying to leverage like my deck does this really good can you stop it you know yeah which is kind of a more creative organic way to like you see like the combos Mm -hmm. or the like times you get damage through the combos that the warrior is going to swing with and then you're trying to um create your whole deck around that theme and how often you can push her strengths through yeah yeah exactly trying to be as as consistent as possible i think early in this game i was trying to be kind of more of a flexible player or pull off uh much larger combos or or that sort of you know be tricky but when you're tricky you're like less consistent in this game it feels like to me anyway you know in a couple of uh classes i play i do not alphabetize my cards or really sort them i for some reason i think this goes back to my uh hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of playing legos as a kid for like 12 years is that when i it's a long time to be a kid (laughs) well you're a kid for as you know from basically you know i don't know zero to 12 playing with legos zero. i don't know i don't know Whatever. I don't like playing. I played. I think I did. Anyway, that's that's mute or moot. Yeah. I'm still a kid. (laughs) Totally. We're still playing games. But so like I had this ability. I remember as a kid being like, oh, this tiny piece is not in this bin of Legos. It's in this bin, and I would be able to find it. So my cards kind of represent that, like sectional things in my box where it's just kind of a mishmash. But for some reason, I know where my cards are in that mishmash like attack reactions in one corner or just you're like i remember putting the razors back there yeah that (laughs) yeah totally which i guess is also kind of how i live my life inside the house also except for the other day i couldn't find my flip-flops and maria was like oh they're under here and i was like maria's my wife also shout out to my wife maria she made our logo um Oh, yeah, killer logo art. Killer logo, so good. Makes our day. Um, If you're looking to commission her for other podcast logos or digital art, uh, please email us at the attackactionpodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll hook you up. Yeah, so there's there's my plug for that. (laughs) So what do you guys feel about digital deck building? So... Shout out to fabdb.net. Great, great resource. Um, that will break down like your average pitch cost for all of your cards in your deck and the um, average cost of your card for your deck. So if you build a deck on there, it gives you that data already, which I didn't know in my first deck. I was like, okay, this is how you got to do it. And I, I did it by hand, but it, it'll do it for you. How do you guys feel about that? Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that, uh, 
So I haven't done that for this game yet, but I used to do it for Star Wars Destiny. Yeah. Um, not it. Uh, I think the creative process or trying to formulate uh, like plans and plays and uh, create your deck physically, it's like better spatially for my brain. Right. But in terms of like making a deck, and uh, then you just have your deck list. Right. So if you tweak your brute deck from kind of defensive combos to trying to get it more aggro then you just have your deck list and you if something doesn't work you can just like go back to the way it was or you know whatever yeah um it's also easy to just keep count of like like once your deck's made and you're comfortable piloting and you love it then you can just like have your deck list online and you can say okay what if i sub in these two cards and i gotta pull these two out just sometimes it helps to not just like pull out the whole Mm -hmm. box of cards when you yeah. just have one little tinker idea yeah um so i think it's more of a post like an organizational and kind of like a post tinker tool but i mean yeah love it great tool yeah what do you what about you mitch how do you feel about uh deck building uh, digitally I've, I've never tried it uh it sounds like a pretty handy tool to know yeah like your averages and your pitch costs and stuff um I like to say I'm a 20th century man, and the internet is a scary place. <laughs> uh, I still have a flip phone, so I'm pretty old school. Um, I'm an old man inside. Uh, well, we're still playing with paper <laughs> cards. You yeah, know. we're still playing with paper cards. Yeah. That's good. Um, I think it's important for me to handle the cards, to get familiar with the pictures, and just, mm -hmm. I think that creates more memory kind of association for me. Um, I, I don't know if I'd use it. I mean, it sounds nice. I think just play testing and just going, wow, I don't have any resources or maybe I'm flooded and just kind of keeping track of how many turns that happens to you would give you yeah. a clue. But mm -hmm. yeah, it sounds cool though. What yeah. about you? Have you been using that lately? Uh, I've built a few decks on there. Um, for me, so uh, when we used to play Destiny... I knew the cards uh, so well at some point that uh, I could, it seemed much easier to build online because I could put together many different ideas and many different decks just like in one sitting. And since I had, you know, almost every card memorized, I could just like type it in, add it, type it in, add it, right? Because I could think of all those combos. And I can't do that yet in this game, like... Because some of the cards are a little, um, have quite a bit of text on them, which is not a bad thing. I like it that they use the full space of the card and that sort of thing. But it just takes a while for me to learn. So kind of like how uh, Mitch was saying, like I like to, I will probably eventually move into just digital deck building and then coming back to my physical collection. But right now I have to use the physical collection so I can create that database within my mind so then i can just like pull up my phone and then just like blast blast a deck on the db right a couple points to that i think that this game has uh quite a few cards of value depending on their situation yeah and quite a few cards have some degree of versatility so just uh remembering you know a generic or whatever um, you know, I guess uh, a lot of cards aren't just used unilaterally or like in one situation. Right. So, so like in might... Destiny, there's like a a ton of like cards that are crap. 
So you yeah. don't have to memorize those. You just yeah, have to you know what they do. Ones. They do one thing. Yeah. 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 Totally. So uh, that's a that's a really good point. We'll get there eventually. Um, oh, dog parade! And we have a bunch of dogs over. Train of dogs heading outside. <laughs> Train of dogs derailing this podcast with their cute little faces. Um, okay. Yeah. So I, I also think that. Uh, building decks digitally, like you said, is really good because you can, on uh, FabDB, you can copy your deck and then edit it and then rename it version, etc. right? So you could see all of your different iterations and kind of like um, know the journaling and the thought process that went behind like where you eventually arrived. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm running into that now because... I've reiterated the Runeblade deck so many times. I think I had a good idea. <laughs> and then we've played games and I've like tinkered around and now it's starting to like at the edges fray away from what I thought was really good, you know? But it also might be a product of that now everybody has really gotten to play against that kind of particular theme and they're they're better at um making the right decisions at the right time and that sort of thing. So now I need to iterate again. So, um, but with the DB, I could be able to like go back and see where I originally was and be like, was that a better idea? Oh, of course not. Yeah. Moving forward. Was it more yeah. concise or was it just like, I wasn't as good then, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so do you want to talk about sideboarding next or... Oh, yeah, let's talk about... Because that's... So, right, in a typical card game... Well, not in a typical card game, but sometimes you'll just build, like, a deck, right? And then that's your deck. And then you got to, like, make sure the whole deck can perhaps counter the meta you're about to see. But in this game, it's a lot different because you get to build an 80-card deck, Right? basically, and then choose out of those 80 cards what equipment you want and how many cards you want in your physical deck to draw from, a minimum of 60. So that kind of like opens up the world, right? right? And we're like maybe a little, because, you know, we're uh, on lockdown here. Yeah. We don't have like all these tournaments and stuff. So uh, a battle, I, battle quartet. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I may be a little slower to have like... Only recently have I really started to try to sideboard really well. Mm -hmm. And I found it. It's like very complex and very difficult, right? Because you say 80 card, like 60 to 80, but that's really including your equipment. So yeah. you're going like 60 to 72 or something. Right. Uh, planning on how it'll perform against seven other very, very different yeah. players. Yep. Yeah. And, I, and this really ties into... Um, what we have coming up next weekend is we have our own um, attack action podcast tournament where the battle quartet is going to get together and have a uh, Royal Rumble. That's right. Yeah. Do you want to pitch the rules of that real quick? Just for... Well, let's, uh, well, let's, let's tease that. It's teased, right? Oh, right. And maybe in post I'll add after Royal Rumble oh, some okay. really cool music and maybe explosions or something. Yeah, I was just going to give it all away right now. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're only a half hour into the podcast, right? they got to like stay to the end to get the right. real goods. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think sideboarding is has been really... Or like 
building an 80 card deck with the idea that I will have some cards that are flex points based on matchups, right? And so coming into this weekend, and we'll also talk about all the games we played this weekend, um, I had an idea of like, oh, these cards will help me in these matchups and that sort of thing. And I was so wrong. <laughs> it was like upsetting. Um, but so it, it's really hard, I think, for me, because this is a new uh, situation I'm in. Sort of like our competitive destiny play. There's like no sideboard, 30 cards, boom, done, going for it. But um, in this, to try to expand what I originally talked about is like my theme, uh, my theme and having that theme consistent up to 80 cards is a, is a little bit tougher. But then like if I make those cards flexible points, like so if we just break it down to a simple like 60 and then I have 75 flex cards, right? That'll come in and out. Like that makes it really hard to... I think make a deck that is pretty good against all of the potential matchups I might see within the quartet. Yeah. And so this weekend, the four of us got together for like the second time, maybe. So we really yeah. played against like the, you know, the gamut of all of the characters, yeah. which really, uh, outlined how limited. So it sounds great. 60 card deck, 80 card sideboard, but it's like, it's not. Or 60-card um, deck, 20-card sideboard, right, 80 right. total. Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, let me just outline. So, for me, I play the Brute, mm -hmm. and I pretty much have a standard, like, 60 or 63-card deck, and then I just have a regular sideboard that I have. I think I have three red reinforced lines for playing against Warrior, um, and then I have... Yeah, I can't... Oh, well, anyway. Doesn't yeah, matter. Right. I have maybe three other cards that I... Or maybe I have, like, some potions that I put in um, playing against magic or whatever. But, yeah. um... So that's just, very... Just generally just playing against yeah. magic. Well, so that's pretty simple. Pick a and, card. Any card. <laughs> yeah. Curses. Like more blues. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... So that's, like, pretty simple in how a sideboard generally works. But playing as the ranger, um... I have less... Less options, I feel like. So as the ranger, I'm playing kind of a mid-range uh, control game. It's not really a control deck, but kind of a mid-range tricky deck. So the game might last a little while. And uh, shooting arrows and having no weapon, I don't want to see the end of my deck. Right. So I'm trying to make a 72-card deck Right. that's full. But then I discovered having... Uh, it's pretty resource-starved. So having three red arenas prayers, is that how you say that? I think so. Um, three yellow reinforced lines for their pitch value and against warrior, and uh, two feigned deaths. Right. And so all these swing cards for my matchups because every matchup is like pretty tough. Um, then you add up all those cards, and then I'm down to like a sixty-six card deck or something. So I'm unable to build this larger deck for the long game while having enough arrows and having a sideboard of cards for every matchup. Because I like came to realize you don't really get a sideboard of cards for every matchup. You get a very tiny handful of cards that you want to help you out in a number of different matchups. Yeah. I found it very tough. Yeah. Especially in that circumstance where I'm trying to have a larger deck. Yeah, definitely. 
Uh, Mitch, you want to comment on sideboarding? I know um, you just have built, bam, 60-card decks or 61-card decks. Um, yeah, I mean, I think my most of my sideboard activity, if any, is, is mostly revolved around defense, um, defense reaction cards. Yeah. If I'm going against the Warrior or the Guardian where I'm getting dominated all the time, then I think having a few splashed in there is helpful. Um, but yeah, I haven't really messed around with the sideboard yet because I don't... I mean, I just try not to mess with anything that's going to um, impact, like, my best play. Right. Um, so, I mean, I don't have enough of, like, the super awesome legendary majestic cards to make that happen all the time. So I have some extra room to splash in <laughs> some some things that, you know, I don't necessarily, um, you know, need to have. So, uh, yeah, having... Yeah, I think it's mostly defensive when I'm thinking about sideboarding. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm also in that boat. Like, um, and let's uh, let's use this this opportunity then to kind of talk about our experience this weekend playing our games. Okay, I have one more note. Oh, perfect. Um, about nope. sideboarding. So Not to add to the complexity of it, I discovered. So Mitch and I have played before, but uh, he's really coming into his own, piloting his wizard deck. So. Uh, I have a number of defensive reactions in my Ranger deck that I think has made it viable in a lot of its matchups. Um, it's doing pretty good at the moment. But then I discovered when I was sideboarding to play against the Wizard, I couldn't take out all of my defensive reactions. Because I, you still needed a certain number of cards. I have to have cards. a 60-card deck. Yeah. So then I had these dead cards that I would pitch and then see at the end of the game again, and it really hurt me. So it made me think yeah. about that as well. Rookie. <laughs> I did the same thing. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, these will be f- fine, like, for, uh, you know, God, what a bonehead move. Just in the essence of time. I'll leave those in and just pitch them for resources. Yeah, then diluted hands at the end. Yeah, when you're totally. And then you're fried. like, oh, God. <laughs> now I'm just a fiery pair of boots left on the <laughs> battlefield. Um, but, but really, like, uh, there's not there's not that much wiggle room. So I don't even know if I'm going to change that. Because it helped me in a number of matchups and hammered Yeah, just live with it. Yeah. I think I have four defensive reactions still playing against the Wizards. You know, it's like... Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what... um, So this this weekend, we got a... We we all brought our classic constructed decks um, and just tried to play as many games against as many different opponents and decks as we could. Um, And I found that my follies in sideboarding were thinking that the cards I was putting in were going to be more impactful for shutting down my opponent's uh, game plan. But really what they did was just dilute my own game plan. And I had to, Mm -hmm. quite a few games in a row, play on the back foot and have really suboptimal turns. You know, in another big thing... That's why I've kind of resisted the sideboard. Yeah, just for that... Yeah, because it's, it's, like I kind of maybe mentioned earlier, it's maybe better to uh, um, like just say, this is what my deck is doing. Can you beat how strong the theme is in my deck? Um, which I don't think is the way to go, but it's my best idea I have right now to then grow from. Right. Yeah. I think there's like a happy middle ground, right? So... If I'm the brute playing the warrior, I put in three red reinforced lines. That's it. 
Right. Yeah. So it does not change my ratios hardly at all. Right. You know, um, what but it, out? it helps nothing. Well, you just add three. Yeah. Oh, so you go from 60 so, to 63. Yeah. Or 62 to 65 or whatever, yeah. it, you know, sweet, um, but <laughs> yeah, it like, nothing. doesn't, it doesn't really change your ratios. Yeah. Right. And it like helps when it happens. So that, that's like a very simple tinker and probably doesn't apply to like all situations, but, um, yeah, not overly diluting your, what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll just put in these big defense reactions and play around getting them in my arsenal and then ha ha, you know, you'll intimidate me and I'll play this. But really it was like, they wound up being much less impactful and I would have rather just like not played them, kept four cards and swung back for 15, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what uh, another takeaway I had was uh, um, how our, what are we calling it? Quintet? Yeah, quintet. Quartet. I want, quad. Oh, quadet. <laughs> I yeah. want to call it a cadre. I don't know why. <laughs> Is that also Call it whatever you want. It's our podcast and ha! our group. Yeah. You're right. Our cadre. Um, oh, crap. I forgot what I was going to say now. No, I had something along the lines of that. Um, oh, so our meta, right, is evolving like it should in any like meta, even though it's only a cadre of four fellows. Yeah, our country of fours meta <laughs> yeah. is evolving. Yeah, so it's like I was on this really big win streak with both Runeblade and uh, Warrior, but everybody else has like gotten better at playing and made better decks. And because you're in like the uh, what I like to call the winner's fallacy, you're like, cool, it works. Don't got to do anything, you know? That then now everybody has surpassed, and I just got my my. Heine handed to me in a handbasket this weekend. Yeah, like so you always say you don't learn anything from winning, right? Like when you lose a game, it's a lot easier to think critically about your deck. Yeah. So like totally. you're on a winning streak, right? But we I mean, we made changes, but I also kind of learned to just like play better against your yeah. characters. Yeah. Um which is also part of it too. That's a part of like a meta evolving and right. in the deck building process and stuff. You know, but again, it's like once you lose a couple rounds, then you can look critically at what happened because if you like win a game with ten health left, it's hard to be like, well, this kind of slightly underperformed in this situation because it's like, no, it didn't. You like crushed your opponent. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, and I mean, and on the flip side, I mean, if you lose a game, there's no reason to tear everything apart either. Oh, right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I like to kind of have the rule of thumb. If, if it's a fresh deck with a fresh idea, I'm going to play it two or three times regardless of outcomes before I change anything because the error in the deck, maybe not performing as well, might be because of me piloting it and not knowing the intricacies and the combos I've put together or forgot or something. Or My favorite part is when a card you think that is not as valuable you all of a sudden have it in your hand in the right situation. You're like, oh, wow, this is a baller card. Play it. And then your opponent's like, oh, dang, I didn't see that coming. And you're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, which I think really uh, speaks to the... 
I guess how long it takes to deck build in this game because uh, piloting is so crucial, or in every game it is. Right. right? A, this well, one, this is a high skill game yeah, for sure. So in this game, piloting um, is a difficult skill to master. So when you create a new deck, you need to be critical of cards' performances and combos and frequency and consistency mm -hmm. and things like that, while at the same time uh, being critical of your own piloting and learning right which, which one is at fault there. Yeah. You know, which, so yeah, like, I like your point where, you know, if you make a new deck or a new idea and you play with it five times, maybe you change out two cards or whatever, but right. you play with it like five times, then you can learn how to pilot what you're trying to do. Yeah. And then... And you know, that. too, if like, oh, this idea is shit. I need to just tear it down, actually, now yeah. that I've played enough games. You yeah, know? I've done that. Yeah. Um, Mitch, you want to add anything else? And, and then we'll move on to the the big news about Battle Bro weekend next weekend. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just wondering if you guys want to talk a little bit about just like a couple of cards that your decks are based around just for maybe people who are listening maybe want just like a little idea of where your decks, you know, what, what makes your deck, what's the center mechanism of your deck. I think that helps. I think particularly we would love to hear about that from you. Well, because... I want to give away my strategy to you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can talk about it. Because we, we've given a lot of love to our four characters and tried to talk about the other ones, but from kind of an outsider's perspective. So if you want to uh, share an insight into what you're rocking. Um, yeah, yeah, I can talk. I'll give you a little shout out first. So Mitch is like, I think the consensus is the wizard is currently the hardest character to pilot or yeah. to master. Um, still a very good character. And so last night we're playing, and I'm the ranger. I think I, I had 14 damage turn, 15 if it hit. And Mitch's response was to block nine and deal me seven, I think. Yeah, so All like on that. my turn. Uh, A very, I mean, just perfect wizard play, right? Yeah. That was my power play. Yeah. But I took more damage than him. Yeah. So anyway, Mitch is getting it. <laughs> this is like... Yeah, um, I think like the big, especially on the on the defensive plays, um, Absorb the Aether is probably one of your biggest cards. Um, I rock it in yellow and red. Um, it's a, a defense reaction, and red especially. It blocks you four, and it gives you a good counterattack. Um, Absorb the Aether to snap back is just, is just great. You're blocking four, and then you're dishing, uh, I don't know, what, five to seven back it's pretty sweet and that's like and that's just two cards right two cards and one to pitch to pay for right it. yeah um and i i do rock a lot of potions so you know that could be potentially free um i try not to get bogged down too much by the wizard's action that's kind of like an ace in the hole like when you're when you're getting down to the last few health yeah yolo off play. the top yeah i mean i just find it hard to to get the opt I need to know what's on top and actually use it effectively. Um, the other big play is if you have any forked lightnings, they are amazing. Um, you need forked lightning with, um, what is it? It's, do, do, do. I think it's stir the aether. Yeah, stir the aether wins. So you play that and then you can play something like forked lightning because it's plus three and it does it twice, so it'd be five and five. Or if you ping your weapon, then it's six and six, 12 damage. Right. 
not bad. Dang. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty good, especially because like all... you don't have that amount of blue cards in your hand, unless you're for some reason the guardian, right? So it's like that that damage is getting through for sure. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm using a lot of uh, defensive cards. I'm doing sometimes I'm throwing down three cards to block nine and then dropping a potion on my turn, and and that's a good turn for me. Yeah. So yeah, I think just yeah waiting, blocking a lot, and then just yeah waiting for your big swing. Uh, I guess I could go to ninja. I haven't played ninja as much. Well, let's bounce it over to Isaac. He'll do one, and then. And then somebody bounce, pass the mic to me, and then I'll pass the mic again, and then that way we'll get six of the... We're just doing hot takes on our... Or did, or what Mitch said, like the, uh, what's what's your core maneuvers within your brute deck? Like, what's the deck based around? What's your most consistent play that... I mean, I know it if you don't know it, you know? <laughs> uh, like barraging beat down? Yeah. Is that what you are going to say? Yeah, barraging beat down into anything. Yeah, so I mean, it's just... I built my brute deck. It's reds and blues, and it's designed to block and be able to swing still for with like two or three cards in hand. So like, if I block up a bunch of your damage, and then I can, even if I just throw down a barraging beatdown, and then pitch a card for two and swing with my club. Yeah, that's four damage. Intimidate one. Yeah. So you're holding three, and then if you don't block with two cards. That's eight damage. Right. Right. So on my, I blocked dud off turn. I'm still getting rid of most of your cards and maintaining the momentum. I think that's, uh, I haven't heard honestly a lot of, so I've been kind of shying away from meta because I'm new to this game and I've been trying to like uh, use my own creativity and get kind of burnt out on it maybe before I then like turn to researching other players' strategies. Mm-hmm. To like add to my own right. because I don't want to like read about all the top decks and then be trapped in that box, right? Yeah, um, totally. That's valid. But so I don't know what most players are doing, but I think that's like a real strength with the brute is that you can maintain or half maintain or whatever momentum even on your dead turns, even if you're right. not doing a lot of damage, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I felt the power of how consistent your deck was when you beat the living shit out of me 31 to 0 I'm betting that's an anomaly <laughs> but uh, hopefully not you know <laughs> hopefully. I'm totally. just kidding I like good games better, yeah totally you know? like, yeah uh, probably have nightmares about that game <laughs> um, I would like to share one hot take real quick one oh, sentence sure um, so my favorite new card is Fane Death versus the Arknight mm-hmm. because his rune chants swing first yeah. So you pitch a card, like a yellow, Yeah. block one of those rune chants with one, then you take a damage, Yeah. and then you use your other floating resource to play Feign Death to block your, let's see, your six attack. Yeah, Amplify the Arknight. Right. Yeah. So that card uh, is tough to pull off, but like really shines against that deck. Um, I'm pretty like happy with that. Yeah, that's a feel bad moment for me, for sure. Well, well, great then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, so segue into Runeblade is so how I have gone about the Runeblade is like first I was like, whoa, big attacks, let's do that. But now I'm focused on like smaller 
attacks, consistency. So I'm just going like aggro rune blade. So my big plays are, um, you know, my rule of thumb kind of, it doesn't always happen, but I want to end every turn with at least one rune chant because a lot of the rune blade cards get cheaper the more rune chants I have. So if I do something like the most common play is probably like Meruvian Skies, right? Into like Spellblade Strike. And then maybe I finish up with Nebula Blade or Meet and Greet or some sort of combo of that. So I'm using Meruvian Skies to give one of my uh, attack action cards go again, regardless if it hits. And then following up, with whatever rune chance I created from that second card into another attack. And most of them attack for a minimum of four. I do have, for the for the spicy play in there, Drawn to the Dark Dimension, which draws you a card. So it attacks for three. It's I'll probably play it only if it's free, because it gets a reduction from rune chance. So Meruvian Skies, Dark Dimension, for three, draws me a card. And sometimes that allows me to attack three times with another Meruvian Skies, or just create more rune chance by playing another non-attack action or something like that. So it's basically Skies for the win and then two attacks, whether it's Nebula Blade or um, something else. Sounds complicated. <laughs> it is. It's, I, I yeah. have to point out, <clears throat> I think playing as the Arc Knight is a pretty fatiguing or exhausting, you know, uh, trying to pull off these combos and keep track of what oh, totally. happen on your next Any time Become the Arc Knight comes up in my hand, I'm like, okay. And then I like feel like my eyes roll back in my head and I just like go through the index of all the cards <laughs> and all the possibilities and I have to see the matrix, you know? Because it's like I could pitch any card to go get any card to make any combo. Right. You know? It's like... But on the flip side, it's also very exhausting playing against the Arc Knight. Yeah, because yeah. you're swinging with multiple sources of damage in weird odd numbers for four with hit effects and yeah. then your sword comes in for four with a hit effect also and it's like it's very tiring to keep trying to think about you know is it worth it to pitch a card to not let this rune chant hit or like do i pitch two cards to block your sword to stop you from hitting with run one rune chant yeah. and you know a lot of times you make the decision and it's probably the correct one but it's just uh it like wears you out playing a game like that if you're not able to kind of more autopilot your decisions and be confident in you. Totally. I call it rune math. I have to do my rune math correctly every turn, which is hold, pretty nuts. Hold on. Let me do some rune math. <laughs> yeah, let me do some rune math. <laughs> uh, Mitch, is there anything else you would like to add about your... Uh, well, you're also playing ninja, so... Also playing ninja. You just th um, throw out your idea or whatever, you know? Maybe someone will email us at theattackactionpodcast at gmail.com or um, hit us up at Facebook at theattackactionpodcast and give you maybe some pointers or sure, or say, like, sure. great job, Mitch. Yeah, I don't know. Um, one thing I haven't playtested yet with, with the wizard still is is throwing in the heart and cross strap on the chest because I wasn't really that stoked on the robe of rapture because you kind of need um, a time snap potion to kind of make it work or it's like you're paying for the hero ability and then you're kind of, that's kind of a gamble. So I was trying heart and cross strap to rifting to kind of mm. get a combo kick-started. Um, yeah. Yeah. So last note about that. Um, yeah, Ninja. Still trying to work it out. I played one game and just got totally annihilated and then rebuilt. Um, so with the Ninja, I try to wrap my mind around um, 
what you're going to begin your combos with because um, a lot of the combo starting cards have low defense, um, except for Soul Bead Strike has three, which is nice. So I put um, a full nine of those in the deck because um, pretty much everything else starts with two, and that, that kind of sucks. Um, and yeah, I guess and, you know if you get some lucky pulls and you know the end of your combos are like legendaries or majestics, then you're probably going to want to try to get to those. Um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of options with the ninja, so I don't know if this is a, a good one. Um, I think we had a good round a little while ago. Yeah, ninja versus runeblade. Um, yeah, so I do soul beat strike, surging strike, and torrent tempo, and then the combos that follow there. Mm -hmm. um, I like surging strike just because it's um, kind of like easy to complete with um, with the hero forgetting his name right now that's kind of sad <laughs> katsu katsu yeah so you can fetch for um for the combo that completes it which is nice and it's just like go again um without having to hit that's kind of a, a thing that you run up against with the ninja a lot is needing to get that hit in uh so of course you gotta run razor reflex um and i threw in some lunging press just to get uh, more zero pitch cards in there yeah for his ability um, and more blue for resources. Um, also, Splash didn't come to fight red. I just thought those would be... They're fairly cheap and effective when they have go again, and they'll help you get those soul bead strikes and torrent of tempos through. Well, so and they, they defend going. for three, too, which is which three. is rare for a generic card. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a really good card. And then uh, Wicca Wicca passes the mic back to Isaac for Ranger Corner. Um, <clears throat> I don't really have anything else queued up for this. I do have a couple more points about oh, no, deck building. No arrow, arrow and arsenal is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, starting out with a blank empty. arsenal. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I do have a couple more points about deck building for when we swing back to that, but would you like to talk about any more of your sweet combos yet? Uh, no, I think, you know, the other class I'm, or uh, hero I'm playing is Dorinthia Warrior, so, and that's pretty well represented um, at all levels of play, and people are playing it at a much higher level than I am. Um, so there's plenty of, like, much better deck tech out there than I can uh, give credence to. But now, I will say that with the addition of, like, Hit and Run... And a few of the other cards in Crucible, it makes it much easier to attack twice with Dawnblade and really threaten getting a counter on it, which is uh, really fun. So that's that's my little extra point about that. So you wanted to add one, a few more things about uh, deck building for, for Oh, the I was people. just thinking about things I think are very important. Um, so first, like the importance of playtesting because... Um, in this game and in many games there's a some cards have kind of a X factor um, in terms of how they behave or how they force your opponent to make a decision mm -hmm. and even if they make the correct decision how many times they have to do that and how fatiguing that is for them and that's like a really hard thing to like calculate and weigh but if you consistently play a card that at face value seems you know, average or okay, but it uh, makes your opponent sweat and sometimes they fumble or sometimes they overblock or whatever, then it has more value than you would assume just from laying out your deck and adding up the numbers. So that 
<clears throat> that value of making your opponent constantly make decisions is just I mean it's it's a huge factor in the game and it's really hard to read um I don't know do you want to more maybe more eloquently add to that no I think you you did a good job you know I, I suppose if one thing we've talked about and this is just to just pile on this mountain of knowledge and uh, advice we have here, you know. So just totally breaking the game wide open here on the Attack Action <laughs> Podcast. Yeah, that's right. Outcast Haven, suck it. Blazing trails. We're doing it better. We're going to start a, a feud maybe with the other Americans who are podcasting. Yeah, I don't think anybody knew how to deck build before we did this podcast. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, God. Um but something we talk about a lot is like making sure you get input from other people who play the game. So like we we talk a lot about our theories and combos and ideas and stuff and that really helps both of us kind of break out of like our pet cards or or things that we think actually have value but really don't or if you don't understand a card and you just kind of talk to your buddy your battle bro, let's say, and uh, he helps you kind of say, no, that's shit, or, oh, hell yeah, put three of those in there, you know? Yeah, so sometimes we just, like, play a game and have a couple beers and whatever. Yeah. And sometimes we, uh, you know, if, like, if Taylor has a tough decision to make, he'll stop and say, like, okay, what do you think of this? Right. Or maybe after the game, we'll talk about... uh, what you're facing and the possibilities and was this the right decision and getting so getting the other players input from the perspective of piloting their deck and attacking you right and also just an outside perspective on your cards like maybe a more objective like a less educated right because they don't run that deck but a more objective um viewpoint that's quite a bit of value yeah it definitely does um and that helps you you know again with iterating on uh you know, previous methodologies and that sort of thing. Like, even if you dis... Like, if I ask you for advice on a card in my deck and you give it, and even if I disagree, it still made me consider now at least two perspectives and weigh them and critically think about it. Yeah. Whereas... Even if nothing changes, right? Right. At least other, you've gone down I'm it. just... Yeah, of my opinion. Right. And, like, you know, sometimes uh, have trouble breaking out of that. Yeah. Like, you get the chance to go, ha, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Okay, so let's talk about um, the Battle Bro weekend next weekend coming up okay. at, at the end of September here. If for some reason you're um, listening to this afterwards or something. Yeah, but you guys are invited. Sorry, COVID. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Bummer. Um, Nobody so, else made the cut. So we're just going to talk about it. Yeah, top, <laughs> top table here. So we have decided that we're going to host our own... Uh, tournament for the cadre of companions we have that are the four of us. I'm making this complicated. Fluidly evolving name. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Over this hour plus podcast. Um, So what we're going to do is the four of us are going to sit down and play in a tournament and we're going to randomly decide um, matchup order and play a round robin. And we're going to play two rounds. First round you pick one of the two heroes you're playing. So I have to choose between 
in round one, am I playing Warrior or am I playing Runeblade? And try to get in the heads of my other battle bros and think about my potential um, matchup that I matchups I could have. And so over these two rounds, the winner will be the person with the um, most wins. Right, so like I pick the ranger, then I play each of you with whoever you picked. And then then I would play as the brute and play against each of you with the second character that each of you picked. So uh, no matter who's currently maybe the best player, this could end in some really good or bad matchups. Yeah, (laughs) even if you like put all of, uh, like Troy said it, he's like, well, if Mechanologist is like the best deck then I still have to bring it home with Guardian, you know? Yeah. And that's totally true, you know? And so we're also, um, I've ordered off of um, a popular internet marketplace, a... uh, We dare not speak its name. Yeah, totally. A a armored warrior's gauntlet holding a cup. So the chalice of champions is what we're calling it. And so whoever wins Battle Bro Weekend gets then to take home the um, champion's chalice. And anytime we play Flesh and Blood, they get to like put that out on the table, pour their beer into it, and drink out of it. Or just at home, like watching yeah, having, Netflix. Having dinner with my girlfriend. Yeah. You know, just, chalice of champions. Just put it out there. Hey, baby. <laughs> I'm <laughs> the champ. This isn't a good idea for COVID, maybe. <laughs> well, we'll just, uh, yeah, you know, we also have... We're going to wash it. Yeah. <laughs> sanitation um practices on lockdown so uh we'll take care of that no problem don't worry about us out there we're gonna be fine um so yeah that's what we're doing is it's you're gonna wind up playing six games and uh whoever has the best record takes home the chalice of champions yeah and like i mean the point you made you know you have to perform with both your decks right so uh just to reiterate Taylor plays the Ark Knight and the Warrior. Yep. Troy plays the Guardian and the Mechanologist. Yep. Mitch plays the Ninja and the Wizard. And, you're and I, Isaac, play Ranger and Brute. The Ranger and Brute. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like nobody's playing maybe the Warrior and Mechanologist or Ninja and Mechanologist. You know, right. no, so nobody you don't... has maybe the best decks currently. Not. Well, and you don't have to play. You won't play against every single matchup possibility. Right. Right. And you don't know which ones you will. Yeah. Sounds pretty exciting. So, um, oh, my poor dog is hungry. <laughs> oh, well, never mind. My wife fed her and she's fine. So if you hear my dog, she's just... Uh, has something to say. She has something to say. She's bummed she wasn't invited and Mitch was. Um, she's got no thumbs. I don't know. Yeah, no cards, thumbs. Right? Can't hold cards. Yeah. Uh, so... Listeners at home, please let us know who you think is going to win, who's going to take home the Chalice of Champions. Uh, gentlemen, who do you think's taking home the Chalice? It's okay if you say yourself. You know, I'll judge you, and so are the listeners at home. <laughs> think that you're, you know, uh, stuck I, up. I th- I'd like to phrase it in turn which uh, which class is going to perform the best. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, my bet is... I, I mean, I 
think he's going to be a big knowledgeist. You think so? I hate to say it. Yeah. I mean, I love to root for the wizard. Troy's aggro yeah. mech's pretty good. He's shooting with that pistol wickedly, and it's horrible. Hella. Hella hecka times. Yeah, so I, I agree. Actually, the mechanologist was defeated yesterday, but I don't, that's the deck I'm most afraid of. Just because there's no, or there's less disrupting them. They're on their own island of action points and resources, and you know, there's you're not blocking many hit effects. They're just doing their own thing and pumping out massive amounts of damage every single turn. So uh, thinking about disrupting that deck is very difficult. Um, yeah, like I said, like so he's boosting every turn. I just need a card that puts one of my cards on top of his deck. Yeah. So he can't boost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you hear so, that, uh, Legend Story Studios? Design that card. Or I, you can design it. You're welcome. I don't, I don't know if the Mechanologist will perform the best. I think it's a good pick. Um, it's also just the most intimidating for me because it's. I find it difficult to strategize against. Well... I wish I had some parody here and be like, no, it's it's going to be you. But so from past experience, I also think Troy is going to blast our butts off because we used to do like destiny drafts or sealed tournaments or whatever. And Troy would just like get so wildly drunk and just beat the living crap out of everybody. He'd like just go undefeated or make it to the top table and then go undefeated there, you know? And it's like after six hours of drinking, like, much craft beer. So I think because of that type of training he has in his past... That board game... Or board game brain. Yeah. He's a drunken yeah. master. Yeah, he's a drunken master that he's gonna... He's also gonna win. But I also... My second pick is you, Isaac. Thanks. My friend. For both characters, or... No, I think you're. Just... I th I think the ranger is gonna go the distance. You know, I think you're gonna get like a favorable matchup where Sleep Dart is just gonna wreck face. I hate that arrow. That's great, great card. Yeah, it's just gonna come up with all the classes you need to like um, use that against, like Rune Blade and um, wh whoever else. Maybe Warrior. Or yeah, I guess well, you can't do that. One, yeah, but. totally. Thanks. Um, so I but maybe like Guardian. I don't know, but I probably I did the best this weekend. But then everybody saw my updated decks, and oh, you're right. I lost a them. lot. So now you guys are gonna sleep on me, right? I'll get text or teched against. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I will say, if the wizard had forty health, he'd melt us all down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, It'd I would be great. I might if bet. If I said like four more, that'd be the margin I need. If I, yeah, yeah. just thirty-four more. instead of thirty, I would also bet on the wizard. But I don't know how many games you're gonna play from now till then. Dude, I got trounced by the guardian. It was like thirty something zero. I mean, it was just like puny yeah. wizard smash. <laughs> yeah. Here's my hammer. Eat hammer. <laughs> Tra la la. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. And I'm just flipping my wand around. <laughs> yeah. Wingardium, don't smash me, Osa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought oh, that was much more yeah. work. I thought that was much more <laughs> clever than it maybe I, was. I, I, think, I think the Guardian might be the biggest loser, pun intended. Oh, maybe, like... Well, he, the, I don't know, the boot... I don't know who's physically bigger, but... Yeah. Yeah, anyways. That was kind of a... 
That's good. That's good. Well, yeah, listeners at home, if if you have any hot takes, um, please let us know. Facebook, uh, Gmail, attackactionpodcast at gmail.com. You can hit me up at Discord at uh, Mr. Beefhammer. Isaac, you're on Discord. What's your handle on Discord? Uh, Ejac. It's I-J-A-Q-U-E. Nice. Simple. Easy to remember. <laughs> totally. It doesn't mean anything. So my, I had an Argentinian buddy in college. We'd play FIFA together, and he like made that as my handle on Xbox. Oh, you're just, so well-traveled like, with your foreign name <laughs> and your foreign friends. Way to rub it in. We're just stuck at home. God. Anyway, that's why. It doesn't mean anything. It's not my name in another language. It's just my handle. Cool. That's really cool. I mean... Beefhammer is my name in many different languages, but we won't get into that. Let's uh, let's wrap this bad boy up and let's uh, kind of end with our couple of um, signature segments. So Wait, I, I have two more points. Oh Jesus! Right? Yeah, sure. It's our podcast. We can do whatever. You're the oh, co-host. Right. There's no time limit. Yeah. Um. So my last thought on deck building, I will say because this happens to me, is if. Once you become very familiar with the cards and very used to playing your decks and your style and your combos, um, and maybe there hasn't been a new set in a long time, and maybe you've heavily researched the meta, then I tend to get kind of stuck in my ways. And so when trying to come up with new ideas, I will just like flip through the generics and will just already have my opinions on all of the cards and pass over the ones I think are not viable for me and re-look at the ones I have weighed before and dismissed or included. And uh, and then, you know, new metal will come out and somebody will like blow a game wide open with some old cards and a tricky new combo or some kind of surprise thing. I mean, obviously, that isn't the majority of the time, but something that I very much could have thought of and never did. So whatever your practice of trying to stay objective or creatively tricking your brain into looking at things from a new perspective uh, might, I guess, try to stay out of your own uh, opinion box would be my advice. Yeah, that goes that back to, to like being able to talk to your buddies about yeah. uh, stuff. <laughs> talk to your buddies about stuff. Yeah, yeah. That'll be advice. our That'll be our uh, first t-shirt. <laughs> And no um, one will know, but it'll be great advice. All right, that's it. That's okay. all I got. But Signature segment. I'm ready. Pick, pass, pray. So I'm going to give you guys three cards in a draft scenario. You have to pick one, pass one, and pray that you get one back. Okay? You ready? Ready. Understood. Um... Also, drafting, great way to learn the cards. Yeah, totally. Drafting is a great way to learn the cards. Um, if you want to know how our draft went with Crucible, listen to episode two. A non-draftable set. <laughs> yeah. Went excellently. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. We're geniuses. Okay, here are the cards. First, Energy Potion. Okay? It's blue, cost zero, instant, destroy Energy Potion, gain two resources. Null Rune Robe, Arcane Barrier 1. Or, Arena's Prayer, Red, costs 1. Reveal the top card of your deck, prevent the next X Arcane damage 
that would be dealt this turn, where x is 6 minus the pitch value of the card you revealed this way. And it's an instant. Okay, Mitch, since you're new and you're the guest, which one are you picking? Which one are you passing? Which one are you praying? You get back. Huh, okay. Um, I, I think I would pick the energy potion. I think that's kind of, I think, universally helpful to any deck. Um, I think just having it um, after you've made a big block and the next turn you throw that thing out, it's not a bad play. Um, and, it, you know, it'll help you make that big combo later because, you know, it's hard to make a balanced deck in draft. So that just kind of helps your ease of of pulling something off. Mm -hmm. um, I would... Uh, I would pitch um, uh, Arena's Prayer just because, as the wizard, I hate that card. <laughs> and I never want to see it again. <laughs> but... I do, I do throw a couple of those counters in my wizard deck, just sometimes because that card's annoying. Um, yeah, and, and I guess I would hope the, the robe comes back around. Um, I mean, it's only useful against two characters, so... Yeah, that's my take. Okay, Isaac, pick, pass, pray. I think Mitch's decision might be correct. I'm pretty unsure about mine, but... So I pick the Nolrune robe. Because in, depending on the set or what you're doing, obviously, uh, sometimes equipment is fairly rare. So if somebody picks the uh, Arknight or Wizard, that might be your only uh, ability to block some crucial damage later in the game. Might not pay off at all. But in draft, I mean, somebody could pick the Wizard and uh, just deal unblockable damage to all the other players, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, for fear of that, um, I would pray Energy Potion comes back around. For all the reasons Mitch said, I mean, it's like blue, versatile, doesn't block. But in draft, it's great, you know. Um, I am uh, I very much like Arena's Prayer uh, in Constructed. But in draft, you would hope that a wizard isn't consistently swinging at you for six. So it And it's a red. So it would be a dead card 100% of the time. Those are those are all Actually. good points. Okay, my takes yeah, on... Let's hear it. I'm picking the prayer. Okay? Oh, just to be different? Or? Nice. No, I'm picking it, and I know somebody's playing wizard or something, and then I'm just going to arsenal it and leave it there, and when they think they've beat me, boom, out of arsenal it comes. No, you didn't. Counterattack, win. Okay? That's how you do it. Well, when you put it like that. <laughs> sure. If someone picked those classes. And then uh, I'm going to pass on Energy Potion. Too long-winded for draft. You have limited health, limited cards, and limited time. So unless I have that opening hand, I feel like it doesn't block. It only pitches. And it's, it's too um, limited. And then I'm praying I'm getting the Null Rune robes back um, because they look sweet. Yeah, and I want to look sweet on the battlefield. You show up to a duel wearing that, your opponent's gonna think twice. Totally, and this guy's like smoking a cool pipe too. It's like Strider. Great point. Yeah, totally. I forgot about the 
uh, aesthetics of the game look good. Yeah, well, the intimidation factor against your opponent wearing that. Yeah, really look good, feel yeah, good, like play just, good. I don't nice. Know. Yeah, looks like you just got up off the couch, like you're just watching TV all day. And yeah, totally. It could be a cold pipe, day, and you're just like Sunday, which is also cool. <laughs> all right, our uh, next uh, segment. Yep, coming up is uh, games from the closet, where we just share. A game. Not our favorite, not the best one, just a game we love, and we just want to... Because we love tons of games, not just this one. Yep. Um, so this time, Taylor picked a game he'd love to share. Yeah, so my game this week is Shards of Infinity from Stoneblade Entertainment. Um, so Shards of Infinity is a deck builder. Um, so if you like card games in drafting or deck building... It's very thematic for this episode. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like I'm the host of my own podcast and <laughs> can tie things together. Um, so it's really cool. It's by the same people who did Ascension, which is a much more well-known deck building game. But I think this game uh, nails it a little bit better. Um, the basics of it is, right, it's a deck builder. So you have a, a starting deck of cards. And then there's a common pool of cards that you're going to buy from to add to your deck and then recycle your deck and make it better, etc. as the course of the game goes on. But what makes this game, I think, uh, stand out amongst deck builders is for three reasons. One, it's head-to-head. It's like you deal damage. So not only do you um, get to buy cards, but then you're also attacking your opponent, which is really fun. Uh, Two, they have this mechanic where you can choose to fast play some cards from the common row rather than adding them to your deck. So you get to instantly play them as a combo with the cards you have in your hand, but then they're banished and don't go into your deck. So that makes a really dynamic center row to play from and like um, opens up the possibilities. And then third, it just has this really cool sci-fi tech... uh, theme and artwork to it that for a game that like actually doesn't have a lot of theme with its gameplay and what it's like the artwork on it and stuff seems to always draw me in and is really fun and plus it has this really great um, expansion that is a cooperative campaign and and that's really fun so that's my pick is uh shards of infinity mitch i don't think you've played that with with me but isaac i I think you've played a few games with me you want to chime in on anything there uh, no, it's a great game, and I really love... I mean, obviously a game needs to be, uh, you know, very balanced and polished and, you know, high quality and all those things. But, like you mentioned, I love when games are very thematic and very uh, rich in their world or their atmosphere. Yeah, and yeah, it's definitely rich in is, atmosphere, for you know, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. That's Excellent. All. Good pick. Hey, thanks, man. Wow. <laughs> Woo! All right. Um, and then we have our last signature segment, Riddle Me This, with Isaac. Right, where I talk about a card that I, you know, riddle me this, <laughs> right? And this is a card, so the past two have been uh, less rare or valuable, but this is a card that people are buying, maybe only for collection purposes, but I don't get. It's a, I don't even know how to say it, Gorganian Tome. Nailed it. Perfect. Um, right, so I understand that, okay, the Rune Blade could rock this card, 
and create a rune chant. Well, tell us what it does here. Okay, all right. Yeah. Organian Tome. It's a legendary, so you can only have one in your deck. Draw X cards, where X is one plus the number of Gorganian Tomes in all graveyards. Go again. Right. Cost zero. Yep. Defends for zero, or defend, can't defend with it. Pitches for nothing. Yep. Right. So it only gets played. And I under, like I was saying, I understand that the Arknight could play this and create a rune chant and then it would replace itself. I don't know if that's worth a card in your deck, though. And I can't think of any other uses for it other than in, what's the multiplayer battle Ultimate pit? Ultimate Pit Fighter. Ultimate Pit Fighter, <laughs> which, is not a, <laughs> which is not a current official tournament format anywhere that I know of. I think it um, is official. There have been like a few of those. It's just not as prevalent as like Classic Constructed is. Right? Okay. But so if in Ultimate Pit Fighter or just in 1v1, if everybody has this, who would play it the first time? You're only replacing your card and bettering when your opponent plays yeah, it. Yeah, totally. So I don't understand. Uh, unless, of course, this game uh, introduces cards that are viable later on. Right, right. They're not all made for now. They're made to build the game. Yep. Um, yeah, maybe I'm just a dum dum and not looking at it creatively enough, but I don't get it. I think it's fifty fifty on that one. Me being a dum dum or not looking at it creatively enough. Anyway, that's our show. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. Well, do you guys have uh, anything else you want to add? Or I guess listeners, if you have thoughts about Gorganian Tome beyond its uses in Ultimate Pit Fighter. Or uh, anything at all. Yeah, or anything. Email us. I'm waiting for that first email. Who's going to be the first person to email us at the Attack Action Podcast at gmail.com or on Facebook? Same name. Mitch, you Mitch, got anything you want to add to uh, anything? On Gorganian Tome, no. I don't, I don't think so. It seems like a conspiracy. I don't really. <laughs> I think like there's just like one group of people that are. I don't know. Maybe there's a collective that just rocks these cards. I don't. I don't know. I don't see how they're so valuable, but there there must be something happening later. That's my only guess. Sure. Um, no, I mean just um, enjoy playing the game, um, and thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. it hey, fun. yeah, no, no problem. Here. Anytime. Yeah, Isaac, you want to say anything else? Bye, everybody. Talk to you next time. Yeah. Excellent. That's a great sign off. I'm gonna blabber on here and ruin that. So. <laughs> Maybe I'll edit it. Who knows? Um, well, thanks everyone for listening. Um, like I said at the top of the show, please share the podcast around. You know, you tell two friends, and then they tell two friends, etc. You know, we'd love to get the word out there and just um, have our podcast be uh, involved more in the community, so we can start more of a dialogue with all of you and uh, grow the game we love to play. All right, until episode four. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye.